to those who are the called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Amen. Our text for this morning comes from the Old Testament prophet Micah, chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offering, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of God. In the name of Christ Jesus, our righteousness and our ransom price, dear friends in Christ, have you ever had to start a new job? I've got to say that's one of the least favorite memories from my youth. I hated starting new jobs because you don't know your coworkers, you don't really know your way around the place you're working, and most importantly, you don't exactly know what's required of you. It's a bad feeling. Some people have that problem with their faith. They're uncertain about just what God requires of them as Christians. Maybe you've felt this from time to time. That nagging feeling of uncertainty, wondering whether God is pleased or angry with you, whether you've done enough for God in your life or whether he expects much more than you're currently doing. That's why our theme this morning is a question. What does God require of me? Micah was a prophet to the people of Judah during the reigns of Kings Jotham and Ahaz. And it was not a very good time for God's people, to say the least. They had completely turned away from the Lord and were indulging in the worship of the Canaanite gods that surrounded them, gods like Baal and Ashtoreth. There were even some who were making sacrifice of their own children to the false idol Moloch. Micah, the prophet, became a prophet of terror to these people warning them of the doom that would certainly come upon them if they didn't repent and turn back to the Lord. Well, some of the people listened. They realized their wickedness and wanted to get right with God again. But how to do that? Well, Micah said, one thing that definitely won't work, don't try to make up for your sin with animal sacrifices. For will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Not even that would pay for your sins, said Micah. How about human sacrifice? What if we give our own children to make up for our transgressions? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? That sounds really outrageous, but you know that kind of thinking still persists right down to our day. It's actually very common. Many people, including many Christians, think that you can do something to pay for your own sins. Or at least if you can't pay for all of them, maybe you can chip in a few good works and pay for a few of them at any rate. And with that false premise, of course, comes that dreadful uncertainty. Have I done enough? How much does God expect me to do? 
When I face God on judgment day, will I have done enough to make it to heaven? Well, the Bible answers that question, of course, and the answer is no. No matter what you do to try and please God, it won't be enough because God's law demands a perfect life, not just the best you can do. When it comes to our responsibility to keep the commandments, God requires a perfect bullseye every time. Unfortunately, a lot of our shots aren't even on the target, are they? The Apostle Paul says, By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Once when I was driving through Illinois, I was flipping through the channels on the radio, and I happened upon one of those old-timey radio preachers. You probably know the kind. Most of them are out in right field somewhere. But this fellow said something that made sense. He said, at every church I visit, they ask me the same question. Do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? But that's not the right question. The real question is, does the Lord love me? That really is the point, isn't it? Because no, you didn't love God, but God loved you. So many times you've been faithless toward God, but God has always remained faithful to you. At times in your life, you may have rebelled against God and turned away from God and given up on God, but God never gave up on you. And since your good works couldn't get you into heaven, God supplied a different way for you to be saved. What does God require? that you give up trying to pay for your own sins and simply receive the salvation revealed in Christ Jesus. To the people of Judah's question, what is good? How can we stand accepted before God? Micah answers, the Lord has showed you, O man, what is good. God has clearly demonstrated what justice and mercy and goodness is. He did it by giving his son Jesus Christ for us. Micah knew that perhaps better than many other Old Testament prophets. He's the one, after all, who pinpointed the little village in Galilee, where, or the little village in Judah where Jesus would be born, Bethlehem. It was Micah who, just one chapter after our text for this morning, said, Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You realize what this means. If you have any doubts and fears about what God requires of you, then be comforted. For scripture says that everything God requires for your salvation has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. What a relief that is. You don't have to do anything. It's all been done for you. All that remains is to receive that salvation Jesus accomplished by faith. And oh, by the way, Ephesians chapter 2, God gives you even the faith to do that. There's one more thing. God would appreciate a thank you. Micah concludes, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In view of his great love for you and what he gave for you, God would like you to show your faith with a life that reflects his love, humility toward God, 
and kindness and love toward your fellow human beings, particularly these human beings who are with you in the household of faith. These are all things that flow naturally from your faith. What kind of requirements would you call these? It's like requiring water to flow downhill. Water's going to flow downhill whether you require it or not. The same thing with your faith. Your faith will bring forth fruits. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you dig into his word, the more abundant that fruit will be. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For now, we await the day when our Lord Jesus welcomes us into his heavenly realm that he earned for us with his blood. In the meantime, though, let us, as God strengthens and equips us, let us allow our faith to shine in a life of service to our Savior. And whatever happens, don't let yourself be bothered with doubts and fears about what God requires of you, because praise be to Christ in him. You've already met every requirement there is. Amen. We'll conclude this morning with the singing of hymn 389, stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 6, the first three and the last stanza. <laughs>